As I drove up to the new high school campus for the first time, I realized, man, this is not going to work. We had planned for my student to be learning how to cross simple light-controlled intersections, and there were none around. Not unless we wanted to waste all of our O&M time trying to get somewhere where he could actually learn what he needed to know. In another situation, I had a student whose high school was literally right off of a small highway. Also, not the most ideal situation. But in both of these cases, I was able to get my student the skills that they needed and to be able to get to the places that they needed to go in order to learn the skills that they needed to know. In today's episode of A Step Forward, we're going to be diving into that exactly. Stay tuned. Welcome to A Step Forward, a podcast for orientation and mobility specialists. I'm your host, Cassie Maloney. Orientation and mobility specialists are changing the way that people with visual impairments view themselves, view their world, and are able to travel in the most independent way possible. Join me every week for simple how-to strategies and inspiring conversations that will help you get from where you are to where you want to be. Now, if you're ready, we're about to rock and roll. Let's take a step forward. Well, hello there. Welcome back to A Step Forward. Before we even get into today's episode, I have to let you know that we are finalizing things on the back end for registration for the International O&M Online Symposium, and we have some major treats in store for you. If you aren't already on our mailing list, I'll let you know how to get access to the information before we release it to the general public, but we'll do that at the very end of this episode. So today, let's talk about how to get your students off campus. Maybe it's a situation that you live or work in a rural environment, or maybe it's a situation where your contract staff and you're pretty new to the district or the district is pretty new to O&M in and of itself. Whatever the reason may be, sometimes we just have a hard time getting the student to be able to leave campus and get to those environments that are going to be best for them. I'm going to share with you five different ideas that you can use to help your district and you be able to make a plan to get your student off campus and to those learning environments that they need in order to increase their independence. The first one is to have a school bus driver take you to the places that you want to go. In order to do this, the school district will have to pay for the bus driver to go with you. You'll also want to rearrange your schedule to meet with the bus driver when they can come in. It depends on if you have a big school district or a small school district or a charter school. Every area and agency is going to do things a little differently. You know that. That's nothing new. We're used to that. But it might mean that you come in for first period or that you have your student end their O&M class at the end of the day, or maybe you have to be there in the middle of the day, depending upon the schedule of the drivers of that district. It might also mean that you get to know the school bus driver and you communicate with the school bus drivers to where you want to go and that you build a relationship and rapport with them to minimize any miscommunications that might happen. 
I haven't had any myself, but I haven't used this route. I have heard of some people having some miscommunications with school bus drivers that could have easily been resolved just by making sure that you're in direct communication with the school bus driver or even maybe the school bus driver director, whoever would hire the school bus driver. So that way you can let them know where you need to go and also how important it is that you guys go to the correct location or that you guys go somewhere at a specific time, all of those small details. This is one of the ways that's really actually pretty easy. You just have to make sure that you stay in communication with everybody on board. The second option is for you to take the student in your own car. Now, a little background information for you This is actually the option that the school district that I'm working for originally chose for us. It wasn't something that I wanted to do necessarily, so I actually didn't offer this as an option, but this is the option that they came back with. And I looked into it because I, of course, want to be able to take my student off campus. And actually, it seemed kind of easier than some of the other options because nobody else is involved. And if you want to take your student off campus in your own car, All you have to do is make sure that you get a permission slip form signed by the parent and signed by the school district. I would have that in your back pocket at all times. I would also make sure that you contact your car insurance company because the way that you're using your car has inevitably just changed. For me, it was really cheap. I thought it was going to be so expensive. I was dragging my heels on this. And it was so cheap that even though we haven't gone this route, I have forgotten to cancel it. It was like $100 a year, I believe, for the whole thing. This was one student going off campus a couple times a month, but it really was not that expensive. That could also be something that if you have proof that that's the reason why your car insurance increased, that you could just ask the school district to pay for. For that signed permission form, On the show notes and on our blog at alliedindependenceonline.com forward slash episode five, I'll be giving you my ride share permission form that I ended up coming up with. You can just use that and tailor it to this option as well. Super easy. Just make sure that anytime you have anybody sign anything that it goes through some sort of lawyer, like your district's lawyer, I'm sure would be happy to look over it for you. If they're going to have the parents sign it and the district sign it, you just want to make sure that it'll hold up in court. And since we, I don't know how to write things like that, it's a pretty simple process to follow and it helps to cover you on that end. The third idea is to ask if you can become a certified driver for the district. This is a really good option if you work for a specific school district and maybe you're a W-2 or maybe you're a 1099 for that school district and you have a good number of students in that school district. That way, it'll allow you to get to know more people in the school district and in the transportation section. It'll also allow you to have a little bit more flexibility as far as when you come and when you go. And then you'll also have a little bit more flexibility to go to different places around the town or the city that you want to go to. If they have a driver's ed course, it's usually not that long. And sometimes you can work with your car insurance company to make it so that your driver's ed that you take with the district either applies to your personal driving record or vice versa. So if you've already taken driver's ed, it might be a little bit easier to get them, the district, to agree to this option. 
Now, if you don't drive and you're an itinerant teacher, it means that you've been creative already. You know how to figure out how to get to where you want to go in environments that aren't the most metropolitan areas that may have or may not have the best public transportation. That being said, you probably then already know that you can continue that creativity into this obstacle as well. If you don't have the ability or the desire to drive and you're an itinerant teacher, you can ask if there's a paraprofessional or a teacher or even a driver's ed teacher on that campus that's certified to drive with the district and see if there's a way that they'd be able to help you out or even to see if they'd be able to be compensated for driving for you. It might be a cheaper option for the district than paying for a driver or for you to pay for a driver and then charge the district. If the teacher is already a W-2 employee for them, it might just be as simple as extending that teacher's workday or allowing them to have an extra day of comp time or something like that. Tip number four is to use either rideshare services or taxi services to get to where you want to go. In my professional opinion and in my expertise, taxis cost quite a bit more than Uber or Lyft. Districts in the past might have been a little bit more hesitant to use Uber or Lyft or other rideshare services because they didn't have the extensive background checks that taxis did, but that is changing now. And there are other companies, not Uber or Lyft, but smaller companies that you might be able to see or look into if they have background checks that are more extensive than Uber or Lyft. For me, in this situation, I was able to get the school district to allow me to use a permission form stating exactly where I was going to be going, what we were going to be doing, the purpose of it, and I'm happy to share that with you. It's at alliedindependenceonline.com forward slash episode five, and you'll be able to download it from there. Now, with these rideshare services and options, the way that we have decided to do it is that I will have the Uber app on my phone. Kids under 18 are not allowed to give their personal information to Uber. I don't know Lyft or any other operating services policies, but the adult has to have the Uber app on their phone, according to Uber. They don't want to mess with the data of minors and who can blame them. I don't want my students' data out in the world either. So with that, what I've done is I've linked it up to a PayPal account that gets pulled from my business account. Since I'm a contract O&M staff, I have a separate business account that I use. You can have your Uber account linked to a bank account that is used specifically for these purposes. Sometimes the district might already have a lot of bank accounts open and they might be able to allow you to use a specific bank account for this. Or if your contract staff, then you pay for it up front and then send that receipt in with your invoice at the end of the month when you charge the district. I will say I am personally really happy that we'll be able to use Uber because I think it's a really good opportunity for my student as he gets older. So that way there are less objections about being able to get to work, being able to get other places in the town. So it kind of feeds two birds with one seed, if that makes sense. Kills two birds with one stone, feeds two birds with one seed, however you want to say it. That way, I can prove to his parents that not only will he be able to cross light-controlled intersections, but he'll also be able to get anywhere in the city for not that much money. 
So my final tip is going to be really good if you have a flexible schedule or if the student lives out in a rural area or if the student has a visual impairment where their vision fluctuates depending upon the time of the day, like retinitis pigmentosa. And this tip is to meet the parents out in the community. I think it's so wonderful when we can teach our students in the exact environments that they are traveling in and in the exact time that they're traveling in them. So that way we can have our students not have to generalize as much stuff as they would if we were just taking them to the closest nearby location that's close to their school. Now, if you have a district that has trouble allowing you to work with a student after hours, I will say this, and I'll say this about all issues that you have with all districts ever from here on out. If they have an issue with anything, it may not be the issue at hand that you're dealing with. It may be the fear of something that you're dealing with. So you're going to want to get to the root of their fear and figure out how you can make it a win-win situation. For example, if they won't allow you to work with kids after hours, it could be for a variety of reasons. It could be that they are scared that if they start offering services outside of school hours for this one student, then they will legally be liable to offer services outside of school for all students. And we know that that's not the most appropriate thing to do for all students, but it's very real fear for them because it's very expensive. So let's just say that that is that fear of theirs. You wouldn't really even get to that fear if you just shrugged your shoulders and said, oh, they won't allow this. But if you have a conversation with somebody from the district and ask them why and try and figure out what is the history behind this, what's the fear, what's coming up for them, then you can probably let them know that doing this will allow for more academic time for the student. And you can also let them know that you are proposing this situation specifically for this student. And then you can write it in that student's IEP without it being an overall policy that they have to abide by for forever and ever more. You just never know what people are thinking until you sit down and ask them. So just to recap, here are your five ideas. The first one is to have a school bus driver take you to the places that you want to go. This is a really good and cheap option that will allow you a lot more freedom than you probably have right now. It'll also allow you to be able to go to different places and you won't have to drive during that time. You'll be able to teach, which, hello, awesome. The second one was to ask the student if you can ask the district if you can take the student in your own car and to have a permission slip ready for the school district and the parent to sign. Tip number three was to ask if you can become a certified teacher for the district. And for whatever reason, you can't be a certified teacher. Maybe there is a paraprofessional or another teacher who could be that teacher for you. The fourth idea was to use rideshare services or a taxi to help you get off campus to the places you need to go. And the fifth idea is to meet the parents out in the community. It'll be really great to work with the parents there at the locations that your student goes to because we all know one movie theater is different from another movie theater. One grocery store is different from another grocery store. I mean, not even all targets look the same as much as they try to nowadays, but I mean, they don't. They're just little things that will allow you to be able to have more impact with your students. And if you are interested in that freebie that I just talked about, I'm happy to share the 
permission slip form that I wrote for rideshare services. Take it. You can modify it. Please, please, please have the legal counsel for the district to look over it. Make sure that you guys are covered with everything and that'll help just protect you. It'll also make sure that you know that the parents know exactly what's going on with their student. In any sort of situation, we always want to be in communication with the parents as much as possible and especially with the student's location. Another thing to note is that my student is going to be allowed to have his cell phone on him when we go off campus so that his family can see where we are at all times. And then also if he's able to hook up with his school that they can access him if they need to. I don't think that they'll be able to put a tracker on him, but if he needs something, he'll have his own cell phone with him. And anytime you do take a kid off campus, you'll also just want to make sure that everybody knows the emergency procedures. You'll notice on the permission form, I even wrote a place for the student's medical insurance information and permission to take the student to a hospital. If something happens, which, you know, it won't, but just in case, you want to make sure that you have something signed and with you at all times that will allow you to make the decisions that you need to make. And also, if you have a student with you, then you'll want to make sure that they know what the emergency procedures are anytime they go off campus. All right, my friend, those are my ideas for today. Next week on the podcast, we'll be hearing from Shannon Wright and Jeremy Hill about their experiences teaching O&M in rural environments. If you have students who travel where the sidewalks end in any capacity, you will not want to miss this episode. And all you have to do to get this information, whether it's the permission slip form or how to get on our email list, is go to alliedindependenceonline.com forward slash episode five, and we will have everything linked up there for you in the show notes. And until next week, here's to you taking a step forward.